0: Welcome back to All Up In Your Business. I'm Jay Sokol, and we are back with a special mini-series that is designed to break down the City of College Station's proposed fiscal year 2022 budget. So again, we are calling this collection of episodes All Up In Your Budget. All right. So director of fiscal services, Mary Ellen Leonard will once again be our tour guide. Thank you, Mary Ellen.
1: You're welcome. So you're
0: going to be helping us make sense of what is probably at least 300 pages of numbers and information that amounts to a roughly $353 million proposed budget and, and proposed tax rate. Um, That is, we're talking about remaining flat. We're going to talk more about all that in just a minute. So Mary Ellen set the table for us a little bit in terms of the conditions that influenced this particular draft budget.
1: So th- I think the easiest thing to say um, for this particular draft budget is we are going back to normal. Um, it was so much easier to prepare this budget because the governor had already announced that Things would be opening up. There's the cancellation of the mask mandate for us. And the numbers that we were seeing all year have, um, even during COVID have been significantly better than anybody had anticipated. So there's a collective sigh of relief and a, we are going back to normal. We're gonna have football. We are going to be College Station as College Station is known and loved.
0: Yeah. Well, I know when we talked about this a year ago, you had basically created these three scenarios, these three budget scenarios. One was a bad scenario. One was uh, a super bad scenario, and one was one was a little bit better than all that. So I think we were about as conservative as could be. And so I guess for this one were probably in a little better shape than you had expected us to be?
1: We were in a lot better shape than we had anticipated. I think the combination of being being as prepared as we could be for a downside and then implementing that, Mm. um, it was all of the directors collectively together that, held the hiring freeze that we had implemented, that cut their existing expenses. We redid um, the capital plan, and we put a lot of flexibility in last year's budget that allowed us to get to a point where we feel comfortable in saying, we're going to go back to normal, and we do have some catch-up spending that we can implement this year. We're not that far behind, and um, I think it's just a, a much happier, much happier budget.
0: <laughs> a happy budget.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and we're also
0: recording this uh, a full three weeks ahead of when we did last year, and I know that brings a, an entirely different set. of of, uh, challenges, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, the state legislature, let, they had put in um, Senate Bill 2, which put a lot of re, uh, additional restrictions on when things had to happen. and It also changed the timing. And in order for us to be able to give council the option um, related to the tax rates and anything they would need to do, we had to move the entire budget cycle up a month. Mm. So we um, initially when we were dealing with that we were not quite sure um if that was just going to be another layer of uncertainty and we were going to get there but um with the fact that we have the additional revenue and we were conservative um related to fy21 we were able to handle where we needed to be yeah okay
0: so let's dive right into the revenue side of things um or the revenues that we expect to have available uh, for us to do, to perform all the functions of local government. So I suppose we'll be mainly focusing on general fund revenues, correct?
1: Yeah, general fund revenues. Go. Um, so the general fund revenues primarily come from mainly two different sources. Well, two different sources are about 60% of it, and then we have another source that's about 15, 20% of it. Okay. Um, the first of those is the property taxes. Yeah. And from the property taxes there's another entity called Brazos Central Appraisal District and they go through and value everyone's property during the year the city knows nothing about what that valuation is until we receive um, a kind of a summary letter when everybody else gets their letter
0: key points city doesn't assign a value to your property
1: no not at all okay um so that valuation we received at about it's you know the state determines when we get it it's about it's the end of april april 30th and in that valuation we have 13 a little over 13 billion dollars within the city that would get valued um however there's about um three billion of that that is not taxable that's things like the school district or churches or a and m property that isn't in their original kind of rectangle Mm -hmm. um and so that reduces the amount that everybody thinks okay everything's valued no it's really not because there's a lot of of exempt property here in town and then you take three zeros off of that because your tax rate is actually um Uh, per $100 of assessed valuation. It's not for every dollar of assessed valuation. And then you multiply it by our cents that we charge, which is um, 0.52 and some change. And that number will not be changing. Mm. Um, At least that's what we're proposing is to keep that the same what happens with the property valuations is we ended up getting a little bit more revenue because the valuations went up. Last year when we were doing the budget, we didn't think that was gonna happen, but it did this year because all over the place, everybody um, was exceeding what they had anticipated would happen with COVID, particularly with sales tax.
0: Yeah, But it's still a little bit of guesswork as it relates to what you've built into this right?
1: It's a lot of guesswork because we don't get the final numbers until um, August 7th is the due date when we'll get the final numbers Um, and we'll be finished with the um, budget workshops where we go over all of this in detail um, long before then. So we'll kind of be working a little bit to get those final numbers and make sure our guesses aren't too bad.
0: Can you give us any, any dollars, um, associated with these revenues or, or even, um, where some of these departments kind of fall in terms of, of, uh, revenues?
1: So, um, the revenues don't go to the department. It goes to the whole, the whole city, to so the funds. Yeah. Right. And so the general fund over, uh, and the debt service fund, that increase will be somewhere around 3.1 million okay. that we'll receive from that. Okay. Then we have sales tax, and that's where another third of our revenue comes from. And our sales tax from uh, fiscal year 20, which was a non-COVID year, mm-hmm. to fiscal year 21, actually went up. How so, do we do that? Uh, good question. Um Everybody was asking, how do we do that? What happened? Um, so we spent a lot of time in fiscal services digging into um, a database that we have related to sales tax and doing some data analytics and getting some analysis done. And we got a good chunk of it identified, but not all of it. The first thing is there was an agreement with, um, between the state and uh, Wayfair. Um it's actually it was I think it was between south Dakota and and Wayfair where um online uh, online pa- uh, payments all had to be charged. so where there were entities that weren't charging sales tax mm-hmm. for online payments, they now are. and we get a portion of that. that was about five hundred and fifty five thousand dollars just between FY twenty and twenty one. And that didn't start until halfway, halfway through FY21. So then the second piece of it was we had um, about $382,000 from areas that we call our comp plan. So the planning department goes through and says, okay, this area is, you know, we expect growth in this area, we expect growth in that area. And it's not every city. Or every place in the city, our biggest growth was actually between George Bush and Southwest Parkway, right along Texas Avenue. So a lot of businesses like smoke shops and um, eyeglass places—they all had a significant amount of revenue. As did Post Oak Mall, which shocked us. Right. <laughs> so um, we were we were quite surprised about that. Um, and then we had. that came in from our top 12 or so taxpayers. So for everybody that went out and bought toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic, I greatly appreciate that (laughs) because toilet paper is taxable and there's sales tax that we got off of that kind of run. And then because the COVID thing lasted so long and everybody's bored in their house, they're going to places like Academy, because it was still open, to get fishing gear and camping gear, as well as Home Depot and Lowe's, which we both have in town, to do home improvement projects at their own home while they're they're sitting there staring at those four walls.
0: So a lot of those uh, dollars that would be spent in other cities with people traveling, they stayed here. And, But how about, I mean, how many Amazon deliveries did you have at your house? Because we had a bunch. Um, Surely that factored in as well, right?
1: Yeah, that actually factored in in that Wayfair agreement. Believe it or not, Amazon was not in our top 10 taxpayers. And between that agreement and everybody online shopping, our online um, receipts from sales tax went way up.
0: Yeah. Well, and we also did a big push on folks, if you have to get out, at least go support our local merchants, you know, do the the curbside pickup or or whatever. And uh, I think a lot of people did that. I think people were rooting for and trying to support these local businesses.
1: I think so, too, because um, the other thing that we identified was about a a little less than three hundred thousand dollars that came in from new businesses that opened up during the pandemic pandemic. the walk-ons, mm-hmm. walk-ons um, from the sales tax amount, and I know they opened during the pandemic. They have done a, a a decent job of starting up a business business in an environment that you just wouldn't want to start a business in. Yeah. Okay, what else
0: do we need to know from a revenue scenario uh, as it relates to this proposed FY22 budget?
1: So the only other thing is uh, last year, Um, again, being conservative, we looked at the utility transfers. The utility transfers are essentially a dividend Mm -hmm. that because we own um, the water company, the wastewater company and the electric company, um, we can pay, we being the city, can pay ourselves a dividend. And that um, amounts were increased last year for the electric fund. And we're keeping it at the same level um, this year we're not changing it again, so that's the other the other piece of it.
0: Right. So before we move on, anything else related to revenues?
1: Yeah, actually, there's one other piece. So we have fees that we charge for things like permits and um, the court fines and, and and fees that and as well as like parking. I'm not parking the parks group. Right. Um, the permitting fees. Last year, they didn't go up at all. We have those indexed to the CPIU, the Consumer Price Index. Um, This year, it's going to go up 1.7% for just the permitting fees.
0: Okay. So did we do okay on revenues? I think we did. We did okay on revenues. All right. So, So that's an overview of the revenue side of this proposed budget. In the next episode, Mary Ellen, you're going to give us highlights of the expenses that are proposed for FY22, right? And, uh, by the way, if you want to take uh, your own look at this proposed budget, you can visit cstx.gov slash budget. You'll see the document there. So, for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. All up in your budget.